Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. My name is Tim Grady. I'm here with my co-host, Lou White. We have a very interesting guest today. We're going to be talking about some things that happen on the manufacturing and distribution floor of production centers and distribution outlets that are really quite impacting in terms of productivity, which I find shocking. I know, Lou, you and I went over some of the information pre-show, and some of the numbers are going to be interesting to hear the background on because they're staggering. Some of them are quite frightening, and I think that some of our listeners will be either shocked or will be supporting the numbers because they're experiencing these numbers. So uh, we're you know, anxious to get going, and why don't you introduce our guests? So we have with us Peter Snorbach, who is Senior Director of Product Management for Manhattan Associates. And this is a company that has developed solutions to enable distribution professionals to increase productivity in their operations. Peter, welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to speaking with you guys this morning. A lot of what you're you're doing involves uh, millennials in the new uh, distribution world. Uh, why don't you give us a little insight into that as well as uh, what Manhattan Associates in, in its totality is doing, just so our guests have a, a three-minute uh, elevator pitch, if you will. Sure. Um, I'd be happy to. So, yeah, I mean, the millennial generation is a part of what is driving some of the challenges uh, facing employers uh, today. Um, it is exacerbating the already, um, you know, very tight labor market that we have. And what the millennials are doing is they're really sort of changing um, the rules on, you know, what drives, um, you know, uh, low turnover and high employee engagement and things like that. Um, and what I mean by that is that, um, you know, generally speaking, you know, the workforce uh, is is pretty disengaged. There's a pretty famous study by Gallup uh, that's done every couple of years that measures uh, employee engagement, and um, something like 65% of employees worldwide are considered to be disengaged. And disengaged employees, you know, look for new jobs and don't show up for work and you know don't really care about what they're doing, so they have low productivity. So um, you know, employers need to find ways to increase the engagement with the employees to get them motivated and inspired to perform a new or a good job. Now, millennials um, are a problem because um, they, they sort of exacerbate this whole problem. Um, you know, studies by the Pew, uh, Pew Research, uh, one from April of 2016, shows that two-thirds of millennials plan to leave their current organization um, by 2020, and a quarter of them see themselves somewhere else uh, within the next year. Um, and then another another study uh, that was um, talked about in the Harvard Business Review uh, showed that 79% of 18 to 29-year-olds agreed that it is more important to enjoy my job than to make a lot of money. And so, you know, paying more um, is important, but it's not the only thing um, either. And so, 
So as, as employers grapple with the tight labor market, um, they also have to change the way they do things to deal with the millennial generation. It's the biggest generation, uh, I think, in the history of the country. It's bigger than the baby boomer generation, and they're all just coming of age now. So, you know, whether you like it or not and whether, you know, it's almost um, doesn't really matter which industry you're in, the new people coming into the workforce, are you know really going to change the game and then the tight labor market of course is is creating an even bigger problem peter if uh, two-thirds of the workforce worldwide is disengaged how in the world do you get them engaged in their job i don't think we can make every part production a video game can we no we can't and and that is um the million dollar the billion dollar uh, question, quite frankly, and, and there have been a lot of, um, uh, there's been just, you know, volumes of, of things written on how to engage employees, but I think it really comes down to, um, you know, some pretty simple things. You know, employees need to feel like they are valued. Employees need to feel like they're being heard. Um, employees need to feel like um, you know, they understand what the goals and the objectives of the organization are and how do they contribute to those, those goals and objectives. I think that in a lot of industries, um, particularly warehousing and I'm sure manufacturing uh, to a very large extent, um, to your point, um, these are sort of, you know, kind of transactionally based jobs where, you know, you're kind of a bit of a cog in the machine and, and you know you're you're performing a certain thing a certain way over and over again so it, it is difficult in in that environment to make uh, people feel engaged and yet um, you know there are some companies that do it I think that um, we had a company um, speak at our user conference last year um, the vice president of supply chain and she talked about you know, how they have done this. And, and I think that what it really, um, you know, it, it's, it's rooted in a commitment by the leadership of the company um, to really value the employees. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a subjective concept, but that's really where it all starts. Um, and so you need to really show the employees, and I think this starts from the top and goes all the way down, uh, that they are important components within the company. One of the things that uh, is coming to mind, uh, Peter, is that there's a, a major, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's a major paradigm shift, if you will, regarding the way millennials think and the way millennials need to be dealt with as opposed to a, a baby boomer generation and Gen X and so on. Uh, is this true? Yeah, it's absolutely true. In fact, um, there have been some really interesting studies, which frankly, you know, kind of kind of favor the employer. Um, and and what these studies have shown is that, you know, baby boomers were all about job security. You know, they wanted to go to a company, and this is particularly true within manufacturing. You know, they wanted to work for a company for uh, 35 years, and you know save for retirement and maybe get a pension. They wanted good benefits. Um, and they didn't want to have to worry about whether they were going to have a job tomorrow or not. So it was right. all about stability, you know, pay and benefits. 
Um, the millennials, on the other hand, you know, are are going to get bored with their jobs more frequently. You know, certainly have a tendency to want to change more often. But you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of really interesting studies saying that millennials would rather have, for example, paid time off than a higher wage. Uh, there was an interesting study done at the uh, Warehousing Educational Research Council. Um, that showed that, you know, people would rather have five days paid time off versus an extra dollar an hour. Well, if you do the math, an extra dollar an hour costs a company $2,000, and five days of paid time off at, say, $15 an hour is $600. So which is better for the employer? It's actually cheaper to give them paid time off. So... But, you know, a lot, of, a lot of companies aren't really, you know, there yet. They don't have programs for doing that. And so they're still sort of throwing money at the problem, trying to pay their employees more uh, to, you know, to retain them, when, in fact, there are things that would cost them less money um, that might appeal more to the workforce. But in that manufacturing world of the people that own manufacturing companies, machine shops, and so on, uh, they're still part of that old baby boomer mentality. If, if well, they you are. Follow, what's, what's that? I said, yeah, I said, I, I agree with you. I, I think that they are, and I think that, um, you know, that's true in a lot of industries um, today. And, and, you know, I think people are having a hard time making that change. But, you know, whether you like it or not, you know, the baby boomers are, are getting older and are not going to be able to, um, you know, to work uh, forever. So, um, you know, I think people are going to have to start to figure out how to adjust. And I think the companies that do it, you know, sooner rather than later are going to be better positioned to compete for the available resources. Yeah, I, I've heard stories from some manufacturers who have companies from the 40s, 50s, 60s whose families had lived through uh, the war years, they lived through the Depression, and that made them to, to start companies and want to build a dynasty with a lot of stability and a lot of money and uh, uh, get employees that will work for you. Uh, they resisted the unions, but they finally gave in to that, and they're still into that, that framework. So I think what you're doing in trying to educate the manufacturer about the millennials and how to deal with them and how to, uh, irrespective of their the titles, how do you make a an employee happier? So I think that's uh, right. That, that, that's a great cause. Peter, I'm yeah, just I, curious. I, let me play devil's advocate for a moment. If it sure. costs the employer uh, $600 to give me five days of paid time off, I still have to, as the employer, get that job done. So now I have to put somebody in that job, if I have somebody in that job, for the five days that I paid you not to show up. And I'm already giving you two weeks paid vacation, and now you probably want six paid. Uh, how does that all kind of come together? It doesn't sound like it's working to the employer's benefit in the long run. That's a great question. So, um, you know, the, the rules are changing to a certain extent, but I think the trade-off here, you know, really comes down to productivity. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, we want happy employees, but the fact of the matter is we need to, um, you know, produce something and we need to do it profitably. Um, and so you have to look at, 
you know, what is the cost of, of manufacturing that product? And, and a big part of what goes into that is the productivity of the people working to either manufacture or, you know, we work with a lot of clients who are distributing that product. Um, I mean, all manufacturers most have warehouses and, you know, they have to get that product from the shelf to the truck, but they have to get it from the factory to the shelf. And if you have people who are not engaged, um, you're going to have quality issues, you're going to have safety issues, you are going to, you know, it's going to take you longer to make that product and to distribute that product. So it's all a trade-off. And the question is, how do you drive the most productivity in a manufacturing plant or distribution center? And again, if you are a people-oriented operation, which most of these are, um, you're, you're going to have to, you know, create an environment that drives really high productivity. And, you know, that's one of the things that we're seeing right now in this country is that the productivity is pretty low, which is typical, right? When, when the economy is really good, productivity tends to drop. And when the economy is really bad, it tends to go up. And that's because when people don't care as much about their jobs, they're not as motivated to work hard. So I, I think that's, you know, that's what's got to be factored into this. Um, is, you know, the overall, you know, cost and time it's taking to produce a high-quality product safely. Uh, Peter, I'm going to give you a question you could think about while we're on our commercial commercial break. Uh, I, I know that you have solutions, so we, we've heard uh, about the problems and people and companies and so on. We're looking to see how you come up with solutions for companies and how you interact with your clients to get them uh, a, a better work environment. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Manufacturing Talk Radio will be right back. How do you keep your business humming? Where do you go when you're looking for quality suppliers of new equipment? Components. MRO supplies, repair services, or even raw materials. 30 years ago, you would have turned to the Thomas Register. Today, those big green books are better than ever at thomasnet.com, industry's leading platform for product sourcing and supplier discovery. You can easily find that local machine shop, national distributor, OEM, or any supplier having the right quality certification. Fast and free. You can even get to specific products, components, or downloadable 3D CAD drawings simply by entering specifications or part numbers. There's a reason thomasnet.com has become the go-to supplier discovery tool for procurement professionals and engineers. There's simply no other resource like it, and it's all free. Go to thomasnet.com today and see how top-notch supplier discovery doesn't have to put a dent in... Hi, this is Lou Weiss. Some of you know me as... Lou Weiss with the yellow jacket. But today I'm president of All Metals and Forge Group. We are proud and pleased to be the sponsors for Manufacturing Talk Radio and for WAM, Women and Manufacturing, since 2013. AMFG is an open die forge facility and a producer of seamless rolled rings since 1972. Most of the metal families are available in our inventory for production to help keep down delivery times due to mill deliveries of raw stock. We also specialize in machined, large, and complex forged parts. So give us a look at steelforge.com, our website, or give us a call at 973 973- 
1-800-276-5000. Send us your inquiries, your drawings, and specifications. Our quoting turnaround time is usually less than 24 hours to help you get your job from your client. Give us a try. We're almost doing this 50 years of partnering with our clients. We'd like to partner with you as well. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Well, we got uh, a triple in there, so uh, it's, it's a little longer than we normally do. But that being said, uh, Peter, I left you with the, the question about how do we go about doing the, how do you go about doing your interaction with a client, and what's the steps to bring them uh, along into your process? Right. Yeah, that's a great question, and um, and this is really what. Uh, you know, I spend most of my time doing is working with customers, um, trying to understand what their issues are, and then, of course, you know, we, Manhattan Associates, um, develop uh, products to help them, uh, you know, manage their operations. Um, in our case, we tend to focus um, more on the, the sort of the distribution side, but we deal, we have lots of manufacturing clients. And as I said earlier, they all have to not just make something, but they have to, you know, get it in the hands of their customers as well. But what, what this really starts with in terms of the employees is, you know, um, whether it's a manufacturing plant or whether it's the warehouse, um, it's all about, you know, making sure that you have a well-defined baseline of standard operating procedures that people can follow so that everybody can do their job you know, uh, safely, accurately, and do it um, in the amount of time that it's supposed to be done in. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what drives productivity is measuring whether people are, you know, performing things the way they're supposed to. So making sure that people are trained, defining those operating procedures, and making sure that everyone's following that. What we do is we, we offer, um, you know, products that measure whether um, people are, are meeting the standard um, or not. And, um, and then, you know, that data, right, whether somebody is a high performer or a low performer helps to inform supervisors and managers about, you know, who, should, who might need coaching, who might need more training, um, but also, you know, um, that information can also be used, um, you know, in a, in a more positive way to, you know, reward and recognize the high performers. Um, and so, you know, it's, you know, what's the baseline of the, the procedure, measuring how people are doing against that. And then the question is, what do we do with that data? And the most successful companies are taking that data and they are sharing it with their employees and um, taking the lower performers and, um, you know, training them and coaching them and taking the higher performers and, and rewarding and recognizing them. And, you know, rewards and recognition can be anything from, you know, hey, you were one of the top performers this week, so you get a more desirable parking spot, or you get your name on a leaderboard, or, um, you know, we have probably 20 to 25% of our customers actually have monetary um, pay program, incentive programs um, that include higher pay. And the idea there, I think that's really one of the most effective things that companies can do because the idea there is that if you drive additional productivity, you're lowering the cost of your goods sold, and then you're sharing 
that savings with your employees. So kind of everybody wins. You're able to pay your people more money. You're actually making more profit um, in, in driving productivity. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that the companies are doing um, to drive productivity. And I think that historically, um, you know, within manufacturing and distribution, we have tended to focus more on the, um, you know, kind of the negative, right? How do we how do we take this information and really drive high productivity? And by doing that, we we focus on the low performers. But I think that as we as we start to now talk about engaging employees and deal with this new, you know, workforce made up of millennials, we're going to have to shift to a more positive approach. Um, and 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 even forgetting about the millennials in this tight labor market that we find ourselves in, you know, we have to be, you know, the, the leverage is shifting to the employees. So we got to be, we're going to have to be more positive with the employees. And I think that we can use these programs to reward and recognize, which will help us to retain employees and, you know, to recruit better people. When, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so when you go into a client's plant, I presume you have to do a uh, on-site uh, evaluation. Is that Yep. Okay, so you go into a plant, you go into a plant, and you see the processes and systems that are in place today, and hopefully find areas where you can pick up productivity and effectively pay for your services. Also, uh, does that play a role in it? Um, yeah, it absolutely uh, plays a role in it. I mean, the first uh, the first uh, part of any project that we work on is, you know, as you mentioned, going onto the floor of the plant. Um, you know, kind of evaluating what's going on. Um, we help to make recommendations where we think things can be improved. And then ultimately we will, you know, help to define um, the standard operating procedure. And then eventually we will build, you know, how much, how long should it take to do that particular, um, you know, step in the process. Part of, you know, one of the big advantages to doing that, though, is that when we're on the floor, you know, we often get asked, well, isn't that kind of intimidating for the associates to see you down there on the floor? And the answer generally is no, because nobody knows more about the shortcuts in your plant than the employees themselves. And so by getting on the floor and meeting with them and talking to them, you can actually find out what's really going on. And I think, you know, that that tends to be one of the biggest sources of process improvement is talking to the people, you know, who are actually doing the process. It seems to make sense. That works. works. Peter, I'm just curious if I don't think manufacturers and distribution operations are in a position to take advantage of the gig economy, but many millennials want to work uh, six months and then go find something new. Um, are manufacturers looking at that as a potential way to get people or keep people engaged on the floor? Well, I, I think that right now the answer to that question is is yes. But I think that's maybe more of a, a temporary thing because of, you know, the the just unprecedented you know, economy that we're experiencing right now. Um, I mean, I, and I, I don't mean to keep implying that things are going to go, you know, bad, but, you know, history tells us that, you know, everything's cyclical. So I think that because of the tight labor market right now, you know, we are seeing, you know, a lot of companies look at much more creative ways to get people to work. And one of the things is sort of gig-related 
concepts. Um, I mean, you know, we're, we're seeing companies talk about bringing retirees back. Um, we're seeing companies, um, you know, hire younger, you know, way much younger teenagers. Um, and so, you know, uh, and we are seeing companies that are now starting to offer more part-time work because they just have no other way of dealing with the problems uh, with this tight labor market. So they are offering sort of gig opportunities, but I think that is going to be temporary um, and it's more related to the tight labor market as a result of the economy than anything else. Well, part of the uh, problem that we have today is also the fact that there are fewer people coming into the workforce uh, as opposed to a generation or two ago. So that also presents a problem. Uh, you know, it's just like the Japanese. Uh, they're the, the masters of robots because they lost a generation of men. Uh, so they became the king of the robots. And hence the robot in, robotic industry here has grown uh, tremendously to pick up some of the slack on certain uh, processes and methodologies that are needed in a particular uh, particular manufacturing plant. Yeah, I, I, I think you're you're spot on, and I think, you know, we are starting to see, you know, huge strides being made um, in automation, robotics, artificial, and, you know, there's all kinds of things being written about artificial intelligence and machine learning, and I think that's, right. you know, related to the automation and robotic uh, movement as well. So, you know, that is true. There is, there is a huge... Um, uh, increase in automation and robotics. And that, by the way, is changing, um, you know, the way that, not just the way we do things, but the way we manage things, right? So now we have to um, combine, um, you know, it's not just about managing the labor, but it's about managing uh, the equipment as well. And particularly in a distribution center, that's becoming a much bigger um, issue. And so, um, you know, the systems that are running things need to, you know, be able to balance this man-machine. Um, and, you know, the other concept that we're seeing is that a lot of robotics are not just, you know, kind of machines that do a job, but they're machines that help an employee do a job. So I can do my job faster and quicker and more accurately with the assistance, you know, of, for example, if I'm a picker in a warehouse, an automated cart. Or, um, and I'm sure there's lots of things going on in, in manufacturing, and I'm sure they're probably ahead of, you know, distribution to a certain extent where, you know, they have a lot of machines that make the worker's job easier. So you're not necessarily getting rid of the worker, um, uh, but now you're, you're um, you know, you're supplementing what they're doing with machines, um, which, uh, you know, and, and that has been shown that they think, um, you know, that would attract you know, potentially younger workers because um, of the interface with machines and things like that. So, yes, we're definitely seeing a lot of that. Yeah, we've seen that uh, ourselves over the last couple of years. And also, I would highly recommend uh, anyone who wants to see what new technology looks like at any particular given time and, and point, and that is uh, the IMTS show, the FabTech show, uh, where you get to see some of this equipment that's being, you know, big, huge pieces of uh, manufacturing equipment that's being managed by a iPad. Uh, so 
it it does lend itself to have younger people coming in uh, into those roles as opposed to uh, the baby boomers who uh, are still using rotary telephones. Uh, they do exist. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I mean, think that's that the, the thing then that goes along with that are these consumer-oriented applications, right? I mean, people no longer want the sort of the business application. They want it, you know, they want their their user interface to be as easy to use as, you know, their banking application or their travel application. So all of this is becoming a big part of, of what we do. Um, as a software company is taking all of these things into account in developing, you know, more consumer-oriented kinds of experiences for the user. Um, and, you know, that makes onboarding people easier, training people easier. Um, you know, the job is less frustrating because it's more, um, it's easier to understand how to do it. So these are things that, you know, hopefully are going to, you know, alleviate some of the problems as well. Sure, sure. Um Coming close to wrapping uh, this up, I just and Tim has a comment or two, but I would like you to give us your uh, uh, company name and uh, your URL and uh, email if you wish uh, for our listeners to be able to contact you directly. Yeah, thank you. So sure, I'd be happy to. So um, again, my name is Peter uh, Schnarbach. Um, I work for Manhattan Associates. Um, our URL is www.manh.com, and my email is p-s-c-h-n-o-r-b-a-c-h at manh.com. I also want to make one comment that uh, uh, when the listener is listening to your to this show that underneath the player will be a link to a document called How to Work with Millennials in the Warehouse. And you'll be able to click on that and uh, take it away with you. Peter, uh, I think what I'm hearing through this uh, discussion is that you're bringing a paradigm shift to the manufacturers and the distribution centers where they need to focus on productivity versus focusing on other elements and I know the old thinking was if I have the process in place and the people in place I'll get productivity as a result which has turned out not to be true if two-thirds are uh, disengaged with the job and one-third never show up Um, so I think it's fascinating that you're bringing the paradigm shift to the manufacturing and distribution the way you are Uh, One interesting case in point is you're reducing wasted motion. I know that Amazon does not have their pickers go to the shelf to pick. They have the shelf come to the employee through robotics built into the floor, which I find fascinating. These are the kinds of things that you discuss with your clients? Absolutely. And um, that's a great example. So, and that, you know, when I mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of the automation and robotics that we're seeing um, is not necessarily eliminating the labor, um, but it is complementing the labor, and that's a great example of it. And, you know, this is being driven by a lot of the e-commerce, you know, stuff that's going on, you know, within the United States today is that, you know, many, many, you know, manufacturers, wholesalers, retailers, um, are shipping much smaller orders, a lot of orders going directly to consumers, 
And so, you know, what that means is that you need more people, and so companies are being much more innovative about how they're, um, you know, driving productivity within those uh, operations. And the Amazon example of bringing the shelf to the worker is a great example. Well, Peter, we appreciate you bringing your expertise on Manufacturing Talk Radio. I know that our listeners are going to be interested in this particular interview which we'll be putting out on our social media, and hopefully you'll be putting out on your social media. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thanks, Peter. We'll talk soon. Okay. And we've been, talk- we've been talking with Peter Schnorbach, who is the Senior Director of Product Management for Manhattan Associates. And I think you would be uh, well advised to go through this uh, episode a couple of times. There's some real interesting key pieces of information within it. Lou, I think uh, I learned a lot listening to Peter and what they're doing at Manhattan Associates. That's uh, quite amazing. And it really plays in to the, you know, the bigger picture, which is the the skill gaps. And uh, it's just another one of those bullet point potential solutions to the skill gap. So uh, I I highly recommend that our listeners and our clients of All Metals and Forge Group uh, tune into this and get a hold of Peter because uh, I know you're all having these problems. You've told us. So we're just passing it on to everyone who hasn't told us. Here's a solution. Here's a good reason why to be listening to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Very true. And you can hear all the Manufacturing Talk Radio episodes at mfgtalkradio.com, or you can listen to our sister show, which is Women and Manufacturing. It can be found at womenandmfg.com, also known as WAM. Uh, thank you for listening today to Manufacturing Talk Radio, and be sure to stay in touch with us through Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or all the other places that we put out information to help you get engaged with Manufacturing Talk Radio. Again, thank you for listening today to Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.